Um, I know what you're talking about. The one in space. There is actually, I've done research on this at one point. The one in space, there are actually three Voltrons, first of all. Okay. But the one in space you're talking about, that's the one where they had like 20 different little vehicles. I that came really... together and formed Voltron. Okay. It wasn't well, there like was, there wasn't yeah. And it wasn't yeah, there was it wasn't the lions. Right. It was it something was, different. It was a and it was a different looking robot, but it was the same concept that the teams came together and Was it Voltron? Was it it was Voltron though. And then there yeah, was another there cars or something at one point. And they would form it's Voltron. Just, nothing is more useful in space than a car. <laughs> space cars. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Autopod Decepticast. This is your weekly podcast delivering a minute-by-minute breakdown of the 1986 Transformers movie. Uh, Today is episode 27, covering 2601 to the 27-minute mark. I'm your host, Aaron, and I'm going to pass the matrix to my (laughs) leadership-worthy co-hosts here. But I'm not worthy. (laughs) I'm also Ryan. Very good. I'm worthy. I'll take that matrix. <laughs> Give me that shit. <laughs> You're hot rod for sure. Then <laughs> I'm Caleb. Um, so last episode, the matrix has been passed to Ultra Magnus, but not without some heavy foreshadowing yeah. on the importance of hot rod to the story. Don't know what that means. Don't know how that's going to play I'm, out. Hey, will that come back? Who can say? I don't know. We'll see. But uh, as of right now, the scene ended. Uh, on a screen displaying Prime's vitals, and as we're watching those vitals, they come to a flatline moment, Mm -hmm. and the music shifts. As the Matrix is being passed, there was kind of a musical tone of wonderment and mysticality and Mm -hmm. awe, and now it's kind of gone back to, like... Severe, like critical, something bad's about to happen. Yeah, it's sad. And this and is sadness. Where, right, right off the bat, whenever we start, you're like, uh, 2604 is where Cup, and you see uh, Cup come up with uh, RC and Hot Rod. He looks sad. RC puts her hand over her mouth. Hot Rod stands there with that dumb look on his stupid face. <laughs> and then Prime's eyes flicker. Yeah, and look how yeah. uh, you were commenting on earlier about how they animated his, um, animated his face here, but it's got so much. Uh, it's uh, real stat. It's real static looking, but it's it's got like a lot of gravity to it. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's, uh, and it's all about that eye flicker. I mean, first of all, the illustration is great. This is probably the one of the best illustrations in the movie. Yeah, t- in uh, my, twenty I mean, twenty six oh six. It's a close up, so they have the they have the capability to do something this detailed. But yeah. I mean, it just looks awesome, it, and the flickering can, eyes are. You can just see the haunting. weight. It's like mm-hmm. you can see the weight of him there, and like. Like statuesque, mm-hmm. I guess lifeless would be a good word. Oh, and on, on the verge of it, more, yeah. on the verge of lifelessness. So we see Prime's life essence essentially flickering in and out until ultimately his eyes just kind of uh, dim out. Mm-hmm. Everybody recognizes that this is a pretty um, strong moment, and everybody kind of closes in on his body. And there's a, it's kind of an overhead shot of the body. You see the group closing in on Prime. 
Prime is basically dead at this point, but just to drive that point home, <laughs> they, they, it's the really ominous symphonic music. Dun, 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 dun. Mm-hmm. And as that's going on, he turns gray. Yeah, and Nelson Shin said that he did that to signify that his life force has left his body. And I'm like, no fucking shit. I mean, I, we got it. Like, <laughs> goddamn. <laughs> I know. Dude, why not just have him crumble into dust? God, that would be even more, that have been oh, even no. more horrifying. <laughs> just, he just drops into a pile of metallic, rusty Oof. dust like he's been cremated or something like that. Oh. Uh, so this actually establishes... Uh, Sort of a trope in the Transformers world in that um, in that they turn gray when they die. That actually happens in a few other episodes in season three. Does it? I don't remember that. And it happens in the Headmaster stuff that went on after the American version of the series. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, at this point, like it just became an artistic convention, but th- they just picked and chose on. I mean, right. you didn't see like earlier we saw lots of dead bodies. Wheeljack and uh, what's his name, Windcharger. Windcharger. They weren't gray. However, yeah. when Prowl got killed, he kind of turned gray. As he, was he was already dying. pretty monochrome. <laughs> he is, to be fair, he is. But I think there was a a change in saturation a little bit as he fell mm. down. But um, yeah, there in the Headmaster series, the thing that I recall is that there's the... First of all, Prime dies again in that. He's sure. going to Vector Sigma to do some, get some shit done, keep Cybertron from exploding. He dies a lot. <laughs> That's like his, That just becomes his thing. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, and it, and he turned anyway. He dies again, but it has way less the like mm-hmm. the the impact of this scene. It's almost like he dies, just turns gray, and we're like, okay, we all move well, on. Well, also because at that point it's established. Oh, well, he's not. He's gonna come back. It's kind of <laughs> like when anybody dies in comics, they're gonna come back somehow. Right. Well, he. Do, I don't think he does. I think that was the last time he came back and died in the G one yeah. continuity. But also when Blaster and Soundwave had a fight in that <laughs> yeah. same series, they kill each other, and they both turn gray, and it. And uh, but anyway, it still became a pick and choose thing. But it established a new sort of trope. It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) I guess it doesn't, but it does at the same time. I mean, I think it's just (sighs) a visual way of saying final, even though we all know it's not really final. I understand that, but also like, there's no. It doesn't like in reality make any sense. Like, there's no reason that metal would change color, right? But if it's not oxidized, sure. But it's it's a it's it's. I know you don't have to get the point across, but they decided to. I know it's an artistic it, choice. I just think yes. it's a bit much. It's like a little extra. You're you're doing a lot here. Well, maybe it's the difference between it's like uh, what's that movie, The Princess Bride? He's uh, like Ultra Magnus. Later gets murdered pretty hard yeah. by the Decepticons, but his body parts never turn gray. So maybe it's just a way of saying he's only mostly dead, oh, he's just, and <laughs> uh, but still partially well, this, alive. Well this, and, well, this was a very significant death, so I think they decided right. just to treat it special. They gave it I don't like a it. certain magnitude. I don't mind it. It, hurt, it's, it. I think it makes it more harsh. Well, I think it's plenty harsh for the ne- in the next bit where, um, uh, what is it, 2621... Okay, well, so to yeah, continue on the harshness, uh, Prime's head just flops to the side. side. (laughs) Like you could do, you. I mean, it's just again another nail in that goddamn coffin of like, and the way they animated it, it's it's like perfectly animated to like be floppy. Like it doesn't look like a natural movement to me. It looks just loose and gross. Now they did a great job. Yeah, but I think they did a great job. At the end of the day, artistically, I support the graying out decision because. 
when you're talking about the bold colors of Prime, there's so much life in like red and blue. So That's I get true. like taking out like the saturation Here's- to to because we all you know gray being grayed out or being uh, you know whitish is kind of a. That's a symbol of deathliness or oldness or decrepitude. I think what I am... (laughs) This is real armchair quarterbacking here. I think if I were to uh, design this, I would not make it so obvious. I think I would just, um, throughout the scene, desaturate him to the point where he's still colored, but he gets less and he gets grayer and grayer and grayer. Sure. Not all at once. Right. Well, I've I've talked in the uh, earlier episodes... You know, my what I'm I, a good director. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. That's okay. What I've talked about in earlier episodes, what I would do right. to convey his death, <laughs> shitting the bed. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that old chestnut. How about transforming into a coffin? Yep. That's also gold. <laughs> da, da, da. Um, God, but yeah, that head is so jarring. Uh, that head just, just more sobbing fuel the for the kids. Yeah, yeah. and well, and then the, and if you weren't already crying by this point, let's just. Show an animated... Show an actual crying child. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, we close out on uh, Daniel kind of just dropping his head on Prime's lifeless body. His hand. His hand. Yeah, it's kind of nice. It's it's a massive hand. And it's a great drawing of that hand. Yeah, it is. It is. So then we fade out, and we fade back in on somebody we haven't seen in a little while. The first reappearance of Unicron. And Unicron shows up. We are zooming in as his maw opens up. And uh, we're, we're seeing uh, some internal workings. I don't recall. Did we see sort of what I assumed to be his brain epicenter I, earlier? I feel like we've seen it before. Yeah, maybe. I don't remember for sure. but I don't I, know that we have. I feel not. like we, we saw Lethone from inside of Unicron. I guess but it was true. kind of from inside the mouthful area or on the other side of the mouth. But... I could be wrong about that, but um, at any rate, I think we get that this is probably a, a, a brain center yeah, or something. neural net. And for some reason, there's about, six, I counted them, 16 monitors <laughs> on an orb to indicate what he's seeing. And, and what he's seeing is uh, the, the matrix being passed, we see prime, or prime extending the matrix, dropping it, hot rod recovering it, mm-hmm. passing it to Ultra Magnus. And then his uh, his maw is open and he yells in anger. Yeah, and Caleb, you brought this up before we were on, Mike, about um, how is Unicron seeing this? Like, it's the thing in all uh, kids' cartoons where satellite imagery appears to be uh, uh, ubiquitous. Like, you can see whatever you want, whenever you want. Sure. And I think um, also, I think it's... We're just accepting that a Unicron has a certain level of omniscience. Sure. I, and I think also that... Omniscience uh, tied to that probably as well, maybe. Tied that's to a the good matrix. point. pointing at the Matrix. Yeah, I think that's actually probably more relevant. Well, that's connected y- to the Matrix, right? Well, that's what I was going to say. And it, this is also, I mean, it's kind of retconning because um, we haven't really... They don't discuss the mythology of the Matrix in this. But uh, as we talk about... Excuse me. Talk about last episode, uh, Unicron and Primus are tied together, and Primus, the Matrix is kind of the material, uh, either gateway or, um, uh, you know, uh, knowledge center of Primus, and so maybe with that connection, he's able to sense what is happening to the Matrix, and this is the visual representation of that. There's a disturbance in the Force. (laughs) That's that's right. And, like, so, like, Unicron's the yin to Primus's yang kind of thing. I will say real quick, uh, I mean, having all of these monitors on on an an orb, Mm -hmm. which you can, you know, attribute to being his, like, his central processing, that's another way of displaying, like, omniscience 
I mean, sure. he's got multi... He sees a lot of things. There could be a lot I, of things going on. There could be multiple things going on in each of those monitors. Yeah, so it's, but not, all of those monitors right now are focused I, on this. I would love it if one of them was like ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> Just up in the left corner. <laughs> the Rochambeau I, yeah. con, uh, competition. Who, who is Unicron's favorite sports team? Who is he following? Uh, the Redskins, because it's racist. <laughs> yeah, I uh, how about uh, the? I'm trying to think if there's any. I the Vikings, he, because he likes the. Helmet. Oh, the horns. <laughs> what's yeah. the What's the station that you can watch like total like continual feed of like uh, Senate proceedings and uh, was it MS- oh, oh yeah, C-SPAN? C-SPAN? He's just watching C-SPAN all the time. He's like, goddamn American government. <laughs> <laughs> Can't get it straight. Can't get it together, <laughs> America. Uh, one. The, uh, the other the joke I was going to make is that uh, maybe he's tapped into the same cameras that Laserbeak oh. is tapped into. It's the movie cameras. Right. He's tapped into the cameras <laughs> used to film Even this movie. Even though breaking it, it the is wall. animated, it, the the sequence that they animate here in these screens is a little different than. Yeah, it's not it's like different. they and it was a, reanimated for the yeah. screen. Yeah, they went to a lot of trouble. Well, they, they had to kinda. reanimate. They had to reanimate that multiple times from multiple angles. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm or, assuming maybe they could manipulate it. I think they, it. Did, I don't yeah. know, I think I don't, they just manipulated it. I disagree. I, I mean, if you look, because like we're looking at um, uh, twenty six forty five, and with the different monitors, they're curved, so this, the images are distorted. I think you can do that without. I think you can do that from one image. I don't. Look at the angles, though. Look at the angles. That's true. That's like a here's a good tell. Look at the this this blue section on that's what I'm saying. The that gives it. I think that they actually had. That's a little bit. That's a little bit from the right. Go to the trouble. To oh, they're all a little. Oh wow! Right? Yeah. Oh, they are all different. Wow, you're right. So they had to go to the trouble of, of which, is, which is why, like, in so, and I mean, maybe this is to make it pop, also, but in in the uh, some of the former images, like, it's just a yellow background behind Hot Rod. Yeah. And I'm wondering. I feel like maybe the screens even repopulated a slightly different rate. Let me see. Here. Nice twinkling. Oh effect. no! But it all goes. It's all about the same Oop. rate. But yeah. even that is slightly different angles. I mean, I don't know. We'll, it's yeah. cool it's, it's hard like, to tell. It's certainly there's a couple impressive. different drawings going so, on in each of those. So Unicron's mad because now he's... He's not happy. Because... Why? Because the Matrix we don't still... Know. It's not, well, uh, we it's don't not, know. It's not articulated blatantly yet, but we okay. get a sense that he doesn't like what's going on. Yeah. Sure. Before we go on, I want to turn the sound back on, and I want you guys to just listen very closely to the, okay. kind of the background noise in this scene. Aaron's got something. Uh, it's not much, but uh, it's interesting all the same. So all right. Listen just, as hard as you fucking can. So, so that, as that scene is playing, there's that you hear scene. that yell, very muffled. So the yell that Unicron does at the end of the Matrix passing scene in his brain mm. is they play it twice, yeah, and then faint. in between each of those very faint yells is a weird, almost video gamey like like a twinkle, like the sound yeah, it makes when you pick up an item or something. <laughs> like that. And I've heard that sound effect on cartoons before, but right. I can't. But I don't know why it's there. First of all, yeah, are <laughs> huh. we to, to think, like, did they put that in there as just texture? Is it just supposed to be texture? Is it not so. something supposed to be picked up? And, or is are we to believe that while well, Unicron's watching this, it's just muffled because we're inside Unicron, but he's he's yelled... 
three times essentially at but it's muffled inside Possibly. of it. But then that what is, is that goofy ooh. noise? Why did they put that in there? That didn't yeah. make any sense at all. I tried to see if it was connected to the Matrix passing animation. It doesn't and it's not really. It it's just with it, it's really just sort of a break in between his two muffled <laughs> that he does. Hmm, anyway, that is weird. I don't know I have any explanation for it, but it was just I can't believe you noticed that. It was just parsing it. Headphones, man. Yeah. Headphones. Something I would have I wouldn't have picked up on it if I didn't have headphones on. Okay, so we fade out from Unicron and fade into Astrotrain, flying very like an asshole. <laughs> like yeah, it's very awkward looking. It's not animated with a level of smoothness that we might uh, be accustomed to. But uh, I have some things to say about this. Excellent. It's, I'm not. I'm not breaking any new ground. Everybody like sure. just talked about this. Who has problems with this? And we got to cover it, or we're gonna look ignorant. But he requests <laughs> to jettison some weight, or I'll never make it to Cybertron. And Starscream appears to agree with the idea, and that is where this minute ends from yeah. the movie standpoint. So I wonder what they'll do. <laughs> he. They very. I mean, well, we'll see. They, but the, the thing. Okay. Here's the my physics nerd problems. Uh, and again, this is well-worn territory, but uh, there's no such thing as weight in microgravity, really. He should have said jettison some mass. Um, but also, you see that his thrusters are firing, so he's under acceleration. Why? Like, do they have to get to Cybertron that quickly? Once you've escaped the gravity well of Earth, you don't need to burn fuel unless you want to get there really... You're going to keep accelerating if you're burning fuel. So presumably, they're having to get there really quickly... Why? Question mark. Because it's clearly not to help their comrades. Right. <laughs> it's coming up. Um, so I guess that he's asking to dump mass so that they can conserve fuel. It's just very confusing. I have another issue that I didn't really go into that level of scientific detail. But my point is, can't the Decepticons just fly through space on their own? And I think we didn't they that, do that when they attacked the Autobot shuttle. They right. did, but I think that was, and we covered this a little bit actually in a former episode. I think that was because it was closer to Cybertron. And I don't think these guys who are inside um, uh, Astrotrain have the enough fuel themselves for long range flight. So like we that. assume that Astrotrain okay. can get a level of speed in space that the other guys can't, except that the other guys are like. Jet planes. I would think they could go faster in a than Astrotrain could. In that, you know, all Astrotrain needs to do is build up enough velocity, velocity, yeah, to That's, that checks out to escape uh, gra- the pull of Earth's gravity or Cybertron's right. gravity or whatever. Other than that, he doesn't have to be fast. Where the jets, their job is to be fast. So they could just, the jets that are doing all right should just jump off of him. They should get out and push. Well, that's also a good point. And then let and then keep the, let the dead guys be in there. Because if those who and can fly got out, yeah, they wouldn't have to even burn their own fuel. They'd just continue at the current that's true. speed. Right, yeah, exactly. Do you think, and I don't know, uh, if would it would it behoove him would it help him if he transformed into a train <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see that just <laughs> through space space tracks uh, space train Some, I'm going to make that a t-shirt um, but then there's also the problem of uh, he's burning all this fuel and continuing to accelerate accelerate towards Cybertron you have to accelerate in the opposite direction to slow down enough to 
re-enter Cybertron's orbit. Right. Uh, he needs to save fuel for that. I guess, but then that's, it's very confusing I as think, to what's happening. But, uh, I mean, unless Cybertron doesn't have an atmosphere, it, you can come in as hot as you want. But. It would almost appear as if the writers are trying to set up something that's going to happen. Like they're trying to put Listen, some, I know establish the some sort of premise for something critical coming up in a and they're right and, and it also would appear the writers are not uh physicists physicists and and or, it would also appear that they're writing stories for kids who don't know that much about Listen, physics or philosophy i know the either. reason is because movie but this is stuff that like and whenever i read fiction and stuff i'm like oh, of course you can't get everything right and something's gonna bug somebody i don't really care that much about this as an adult it's just like oh that's weird I'd like hey, to see it gives Star us Wars. something to talk about. That's right. Generate content, <laughs> motherfuckers. Can you wa imagine watching the Star Wars movies during the battles in space and there's no sound? That is one thing that, uh, yeah, well, I can. Well, not the battles, but that's one thing they did in Firefly. There's absolutely no yeah. sound in the sp in space, and I think it works. Well, it doesn't. That's that. it. Would not work in Star Wars or Star Trek. You have to build around it. You have to make if you make that conscious decision that yeah. I'm I'm doing it right or what I think is right. No mm -hmm. noise in space. You have to build the show around that to yeah. make yeah. it entertaining. If, yeah. If you just took the sound out of Star Wars, you'd be like, what the fuck? And I can. You know, that's a, that's a conceit. I don't care. That doesn't bug me. I mean, that that's what that that. Movie Movie would have been these movies would be terrible without that. So <laughs> I can let you know you get gimmies, and this is a gimme, and I don't really care that much about it. I just wanted to bring it up again. Sure, I never thought about it that way before. I just thought, why don't they get outside and push? <laughs> <laughs> but I actually I've never heard that angle before. Mm -hmm. A lot of people will talk about the science angle. You know, that it really shouldn't have mattered. Uh, he shouldn't have needed to drop any weight because everything in space is weightless. But uh, the whole angle around, like, why didn't those guys just get out and fly is one I've never heard. So that might be original, Caleb. I can't, oh. I can't believe that no one else has thought of that. I mean, I maybe. Mean, we'll, I'll scour the internet. I, I must be surrounded by idiots. <laughs> <laughs> Starting a flame war with uh -oh, the Transformers community. <laughs> so uh, so that's the end of this minute, really. I There are no voice actors, but I do have, uh, I guess, ex more extensive notes than I thought I did. Uh, I just wanted to talk a little bit about Vince DiCola. Oh. Um, just because I, I thought that this piece of music that we just covered in the last two minutes, like that... That's that prime death scene, and the I just that's just amazing transitions. Both, yeah, there. I thought like they the, were the great. Matrix music and the Matrix the and the and the death music, mm -hmm. and um, so just to talk about him a little bit, I think we talked about him a little bit in the credit sequence, but um, you know his story is, is at least as it relates to this movie. He was asked to audition for this movie on the strength of Rocky Four. So the producers saw Rocky Four, and they were like, "This could be a fit." As part of that audition, he so he created an audition piece that had about six minutes of music, and um, each it kind of had different uh, sort of movements in it. And one movement was called uh, the audition piece itself was called Legacy, and it had a good guy theme, a bad guy theme, a chase scene, and a victory scene. And ultimately, the producers loved it, and they hired him sight unseen. Or I mean. I, that's a dumb th way to put it. They hired him. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of sight unseen, it would be voice ear, unheard, ear unheard, <laughs> audio although, unheard. Yeah. Although they Except it was heard. heard it. <laughs> Listen, doesn't make it sense at all. The producers heard it, loved it, hired him. That music, none of that music was actually used, 
but uh, but it got him the job, right? And so he, I, I listened to a really great interview with him on YouTube about it. He goes into a lot of detail, but uh, he was given a lot of, he loved the project. He was given a lot of creative freedom. Uh, one of the things that was unique about the process is that he wrote to storyboards. So most uh, most time with film huh. composers, I think they have essentially the finished edited or movie. Or like it's to, a rough cut at least. Or a rough cut of the movie to compose to. And so he's composing to storyboards and that was a very, he, he cites that as one of the difficult That's awesome. uh, yeah, parts that, that of the experience. That would be very hard. Yeah. You'd have to kind of... You just have to understand the emotionality of that scene. But, right? also, but also, the time, like, also the timing of... Mm-hmm. of the length of a theme mm-hmm. emotionally between shots, so right. he could he could write to a, a storyboard, but I don't know yeah, how he like figured the beat. out how long how long a, a, a composition needs to go before it segues into a different. I'm section. sure they would roughly give him the amount of time, and yeah. I, I would assume that with an animated feature more so than a traditional film, it's probably there's probably not a lot of animated parts on the cutting room floor because of the, right. the expense involved in animating versus just shooting everything you want and then taking stuff out. But at any rate, he created a process and got the feel, a feel for it and moved on. And since since then, he's seen the movie, you know, obviously probably several times, and he stated there are things he would do to change the music to fit the video, to your point. Like if he'd have had the Tweet video, it. there's things he would have tweaked to, to emphasize sure. certain moments or whatever. Sure. But in general, he's very pleased with the He actually yeah. looks at it as one of his best works wow. and is very pleased with the fan response to the music. Yeah, but, that's great. But, uh, you know, additionally with the process, I mean, he met with the director Nelson Shin they talked about the tone of the movie different ideas and then and uh and then they basically left it to him to just do whatever and um you know he kind of makes some sketches of the movie he has a bare bones soundtrack and if the people like it then he lays on the orchestration mm-hmm. um there was he said one of the other challenges for this is that timing wise he didn't have as much time as you i assume typically do with a feature film i don't know what how much time he had but it was compressed and in addition to a compressed timeline there was a lot of music there's yeah, 75 minutes of music it's in this it's pretty wall to wall right and and that's 75 minutes outside of the uh, kind of the rock music mm-hmm. like that they incorporated into it but anyway despite all of his limitations he was pleased with the results um, he is a guy that loves synthesizer-based composition, and rather than being influenced by, like, are you familiar, Caleb, with, uh, I'm going to fuck up this pronunciation, Giorgio Morodor? Morder? Moroder. Moroder. Yeah, that's easy. That's Giorgio, just like it says. Giorgio Moroder. He so, got uh, famous for uh, doing the sequencing uh, for the Donna Summer song, I Feel Love. Oh, it's like do 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 do. Oh, that is an iconic. That's him, as well as a few other things. And he recently did a some work on the most recent Daft Punk album. That's right. There's actually a small clip of him essentially being interviewed about him developing sequencing and as it was related to dance music right just hmm. disco so he's essentially the godfather of one electronic of dance music and one of, one of them. them and and mm-hmm. synthesizer but and but his style to your point in the story is more uh, uh applied to kind of the dance side of it right like the disco yeah. side and yeah. ultimately probably what we know <laughs> of as electronic dance music that that's punk and all that he's italian and he, I mean, he's I, definitely an influence to um uh he's french i believe okay. 
Francais. Giorgio Morato. That sounds more Italian. Hmm. Jesus Christ. Ge- uh, genealogy there's to a, be determined. There's a, there's a band out there called Giorgio Murderer. <laughs> Are they good? I, I yeah, they're all right, but they just it's, they're, they're, I don't know how they're I don't think they're really playing music like him. They're just gotcha. playing with the word. Play. I will take I will take a synth, uh, poppy moog, uh, fucking score any day of the week, anytime right. you like it. I like it too. So yeah, it's so totally well. So he's influ- well, he's influenced by him. But I was gonna to sorry, it's a long tail on this kite. So that is an influence for sure. Uh, but he's also majorly influenced by prog rock and sure. like Emerson, mm. Lake, and Palmer specifically. Oh, yeah. specifically Keith Emerson as a keyboard player yep. and um, so that he had he takes that element of sort of progginess into this and cool. I would have to say Vangelis would have to be an inspiration I'm Blade, sure. Blade Runner is older that is a Blade 70s movie right uh, very 70, very late, late 70s. 70s very early 80s actually I don't it's right on the cusp mm-hmm. uh, so I mean I think I would con- I would consider them contemporaries sure Right. But anyway, he was flying by the seat of his pants. He had no sense in the moment of how proud he would be of the end product. It was a short timeline. Uh, but he's happy with the happy with. I the love it results. when these guys are like really like the fact that fans are so into it and, yeah. and proud of their work in the movie. Because it, every, there are lots of people who have lots of love for this. And it's, it's just really cool when the creators are into it also. Right. I think the other thing he's surprised... It's like, it's like when you look at work you did in the past and you see work that you're, is cringy, but every now and again you find something that's a gem. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how it is for I him. I wonder what that's like. He... <laughs> He had no idea that this would be a gem. In the moment, it was kind of, it was sort of a job. I mean, he didn't know much about Transformers and he didn't have much time to get it together. So he was questionable in the moment of how good it was going to be. But, you know, when he looks at it in retrospect, Mm -hmm. he's actually proud. I guess that's how I feel about that uh, fingering joke in episode two. (laughs) I don't know if I'll ever make another one that's that good. It's it's, it's unfortunate I peaked so early. Well, we'll look back on it and we'll enjoy it. And yeah, yeah. Mm. You should read up more on Giorgio Moroder, by the way. He he he's involved with stuff that you didn't really realize. Like he was he was he's been sampled by Outkast, MF mm-hmm. Doom. Um, he had a, and then on the opposite end, he uh, he had an early composition that was featured for many years during silent sketch sequences on the Benny Hill show. Good so it's what? Like, well, he's an old. I mean, he's an older dude. I he's guess his, so. Yeah, he's in his 70s. Benny Hill. And he is Italian, by the way. Okay. Gotcha. Everyone who remembers that is dead. Gotcha. Yeah. I became aware of him because of the Daft Punk album, but yeah. I, I didn't dive too much in his history. Well, his big, his big one is the Donna Summer, I Feel Love. Right. That's his. That right. really shot him to popularity. Gotcha. He's still... Uh, from what I understand on his Wiki- on Wikipedia on him, he still travels and DJs. Like he's like That's a cool. working DJ. Well, that would be so awesome to go to like a Giorgio Moroder. Moroder. We should hire show. him. We should hire him for our our last um, uh, episode episode party. He, Actually, that would be a the rap party. We, we should get Vince, Vince DiCola. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, also Vince DiCola. I didn't realize this. He co-wrote Dare. He um, really, yeah. He, he like Stan Bush didn't actually write that song. He co-wrote it with another guy. I'm blanking out on who that was, but there's you. If you were to go- Google it on YouTube, there's a live performance of Dare at Botcon 2016 that uh, and Stan Bush and Vince DiCola are performing together along with some other. Oh my guys. god! I bet there was Transformers fans just having orgasms, <laughs> just <laughs> blowing their loads all over the stage. <laughs> Dare to clean my underwear. Yeah. That's weird. Yep, it sure was. Uh, So that's all I've got on that. So with that, I think it's time for... Rip Deviations. (laughs) 
All great. Right. That was great. I'm glad Perfect. we did this. I, I want to interject real quick. I, I've been trying to lose a little weight, and I have switched to drinking <laughs> Diet Vinstacola. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> That's a pretty good pun. Very good. It's better than the caffeine-free. How long have you been holding on to that? For about five minutes. All right. <laughs> I'm glad you got it in there. Yeah. Well, I had to. It slipped somewhere. it right in there <laughs> in a no way that was convenient. Nope. <laughs> All right. That'll be a good edit. Back mm. to the script. Uh. So. Uh, okay. Uh. Prime or what do you got, Jet? Um, I don't have a huge amount in this one. Uh, it's basically just a different... There, there is actually a scene that takes place after Prime's death uh, that I am glad they removed because it doesn't really seem to fit. Um, basically, whenever uh, they pan for the grief reactions after uh, Prime dies, uh, Ultra Magnus steps forward and clears his throat. And he says, I was never one for fancy speeches, but I think you all know how I feel. But the time for feeling is past. That's a weird uh, one. But the time for feeling is past. The time for action is upon us. And Cup says, "Here, here, we're with you, Ultra Magnus." And then there's shouts of agreement, presumably still over Prime's dead fucking corpse. <laughs> and then Ultra Magnus says, "We must pursue the remainder of the Decepticon forces and root them out before a new leader is selected to replace Megatron." This is all good cut. Yeah, <laughs> and then Perceptor, yeah. a sound strategy which I heartily endorse since it brooks no tendencies to appeasement. And Ultra Magnus... I guess that it's basically to establish that people like Ultra Magnus. Is, are I mean, okay I think, with that. I, I guess. Was, I feel like we already got that. I think it, um, was, I think it was the writer, like... Oh, again, this sure. is again, this is a first draft, so you include everything and then you cut. It's like the awkward um, toast at a wedding. And then Ultra Magnus doesn't get it. He says, what? And Springer says, which, who has just appeared in the scene, apparently, he says, he says he's with you. And then uh, Perceptor, well, I suppose you could put it that way. And then just driving home that Perceptor's a dorko. Yeah, what a, he's a real nerd. And Ultra Magnus is like a jock. I, mm, spring, I don't know. That's Yeah. Uh, and then um, Ultra Magnus gestures to the ruins of Autobot City. We cannot leave until this city and the citizens of Earth have been fortified to resist another Decepticon assault. We must rebuild and rearm, and we must do Who's it quickly. Who's got time for that's that? A lot, that's a lot of work. <laughs> I mean, that's months of... of well, yeah. And as we'll see later on in the scene, they're doing just that, yeah. and they get attacked again. <laughs> well, that's the thing is, like, if I can show, don't tell. They just start <laughs> right, doing right. that. Have they forgot about their strategy to invade Cybertron? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, did, did, do they forget about that in the movie? I mean, I guess so, yeah. Oh my god. Well, no, I mean, it, it changes, because now it's about defense and rebuilding, and then there is a scene here that um, we, again, don't need, but it's more RC and, and Hot Rod stuff. Um, but the Decepticons are weak right now. Yeah, you Buckler should 100%. rebuilding. They're retreating. Go get oh, them and kill them. 100% you should go after them right now. Like, right now, where they're leaderless, they're on the run, they're still in space, but... Yeah. Now, imagine if they'd have done that, they would have probably run into Unicron, all would have been slaughtered, and in well, hindsight, again, it probably wouldn't have worked, but that's strategically strate the right decision. Militaristically, yeah. And again, we... You um, can't account for Unicron just hanging out. Uh, yeah, space. and again, we keep coming back to trying to end the movie in every scene. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, everybody runs away to do to their stuff. Um, with a roar of approval, several Autobots transform and start rolling out, moving rubble and dead Decepticon warriors aside, <laughs> hauling out ruined shuttles and stores of weaponry, etc. Uh, we move to Cup, Hot Rod, RC, and Daniel. Hot Rod says, is still hanging his head. He says... Optimus Prime would still be leading us if I hadn't been so dumb. And <laughs> Cup bellows. You can't mourn him back to existence, lad. Now pick up your diodes and get to work. I love how your cup is Burgess Meredith. Yeah. All right, you son of a bitch. You get back in there. Ah. He's Popeye's father. That's right. Uh, and then we have... Um, 
Okay, and then RC says, gently to Hot Rod, I thought what you did was the bravest thing I ever saw. And Hot Rod takes a beat, looks up shyly, you, you did? RC teasing him, but with a smile. Oh, God. Of course. I'm only a she-bot, so I could be mistaken. Holy fucking shit. <laughs> I underline that because I'm Wait like, oh, no. So she's, she just says to her, I'm only a she-bot, so I could be mistaken? Yeah. And it's supposed to, I guess, be like teasing, like self-deprecating, but it's just straight up sexist. Yeah, that's bad. So, yeah, she, modern they... RC in the IDW comics, I think is an iconic sort of pro, like feminist, feminist character. Yeah, I would hope and so. this version of RC, oh, it's is... not good. <laughs> it's not good at all. Yeah, yeah. I know my place, yeah. Hot Rod. You got Springer grabbing <laughs> her by the wrist and leading her around. Every everybody's rebuilding the city. She's like making muffins. <laughs> <laughs> She's got an apron. That's right. They, and at this point, are they still standing around? Yes. Prime's dead. They're body? still in the same room with Prime's <laughs> dead body, which is fucking weird. They're so um, flirtatious. Yeah. Like, and he's like, "Oh, we going to fuck." I that's see. right. I'm gonna put my piston in your fucking. What's where does the piston go? Your, drive in your fuel shaft. hole. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, anyway moving. And then Cup slaps Hot Rod on the back, and again bellowing. Are you just going to hang about like a Dracillian dr- proto-pig, or are you going to move? <laughs> I'm so glad they cut all this shit out. Uh, then Hot Rod says, I'm moving, so stop hollering. And Daniel, wait for me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and they transform and roll out. Daniel tries to run after them, but immediately starts lagging. Springer moves up behind him, shakes his head, and scoops him up. Uh, Springer does a lot in this script of taking care of Daniel. If RC's not doing it, Springer seems to be doing it begrudgingly. Like, right, they like totally abandon him. Yeah, they don't give a shit, and then Springer's like, okay, Squirt, just don't get in the way. His transformation complete, Springer now rides off with Daniel riding inside as we watch the other Autobots setting about to rebuild the city. And that's where we switch uh, to Deep Space, which I will do on the next one because it's very different than what happens. I'm looking forward to this. All all I've got on mine, a lot of cuts were made, so none of that happens. But the thing that was striking to me is the script that I have doesn't elaborate on Prime, like this death sequence much at all. It doesn't talk about his color change. It doesn't, in fact, it just basically, it says, it gives the shot direction on Prime, he dies. Wow. (laughs) And that's it. Wow. It's like, so the, like other, you, the other direction entirely. Then, wow, it is weird. There seems like there is. A, uh, so I love how each version that you have in the script is bonkers in a completely different <laughs> way. I love it. Maybe we fleshed out too much. Oh, maybe we cut too hey, much. Hey, just how I about you it. cut everything out and he just fucking dies? Animators, figure it out. The other piece that I have here, um, just on Unicron that uh, it's not really a deviation so much as the kind of detail. And it says that there's rotating satellite dishes on his sur- on the surface of Unicron, and they spark with electricity. So maybe that's what's picking up the, the, the information from Earth. Sure, but, I guess. But you dissolve inside Unicron to reveal scenes of Prime's death and the passing of the Matrix on various monitors. Some of the scenes are in slow motion. Others are sped up. And the note is the effect should be eerie. Well, they didn't follow that per se. No, I think that's a. It good is still cut. kind of eerie, but yeah, I think uh, that's a good cut. I mean, they, I'm just imagining simple. if you're the animators trying. Okay, so this is slow. This yeah. is uh, we're already putting we already... sixteen individual drawings, <laughs> sets of drawings of the same scene <laughs> of the same scene. I feel like that's a Nelson Shin of like we just simplify this, motherfuckers. Like we're already right, doing uh, a lot. Right, yeah. right, right. So that's all I've got on. That. Anything else on this episode, gentlemen? Nope. Uh, oh, uh, we I think we forgot to do it last episode, our favorite moment inside the minute. Ooh, the I- iconic moment. 
<laughs> I'll have to do something with that, I guess. <laughs> oh, you don't have to do anything. No, with something's it. gonna happen. Uh, I'd like to have like a really dumb, jovial, like it's time for that iconic moment. Our of course, Caleb will have to <laughs> Caleb has his face in his hands. I am not crazy about that either. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, fuck you guys. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's talk about it. What is your iconic moment? I mean, for me, it's when Prime's head falls to the side. It is gross. And over the top, and like again, animated perfectly, creepily. It doesn't look like he's live motion. It, it looks very dead. Um, and it's just like, yeah, let's make these kids scarred forever. And it's uh, it is creepy and weird. That's for me, Caleb. Mine is uh, where his the the, the uh, light is going out of his eyes, mm-hmm. and he's got this very uh, this this. I don't know. I don't know how the right descriptive word for it, but just how his head there is just so weight like the way it has like a real gravity, a real like it's That's like right. it's a, in the real world, like it takes taking up space and it feels real. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But I like that one. I didn't even think about it, but it would be between both of those scenes are worthy sure. contenders. I'll go with the head mm-hmm. scene just because it is sort of Which like head the head. That, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go with the head scene where Prime's head just flops to the side because it's just sort of a moment of always, finality. Always siding with Ryan. Just... <laughs> we'll take yep. this feud offline. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, next episode, uh, Wait is jettisoned. <laughs> and nominations are made for a new Decepticon leader. Mm-hmm. And, and that's about it. That's all that really fucking happens. Eh? Mm-hmm. So tune in or don't. Who cares? Oh, Prime's man. dead. Who gives a shit? I don't know, but this Diet Vince Ticola is delicious. <laughs> got to get out of Excellent. this room. <laughs> We're going to make sure that goes in. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Follow us on our social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. All of them at APODDCast. And also visit our web presence at autopoddecepticast.com. iTunes users, please. Rate and subscribe. Yes, five stars, please. It really does help. Uh, and also, again, uh, go to our webpage. Um, I put like uh, some videos up there that doesn't, uh, you know, just things that we talk about in the episode that uh, isn't necessarily specifically Transformers related, but is cool. All right, everybody. Thanks. Bye. 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 It's delicious. <laughs> There are several connotations. Jesus Christ. All right. I wonder what. I wish I still had it. This is the thing. This is why I keep everything now because I wish I had all this stuff from my childhood and I fell into the trap of my stupid parents who were like, you'll never miss it. You don't even play with it. Look now, Ma. Yeah. My mom sold off my my entire G.I. Joe collection at a garage sale. Oh, without see? ask without checking with me. She wasn't trying to be malicious. I think she just it just, just thought well, he doesn't her, need She these. sold the and she's listen, she sold I had the, a tank, like a full size operational tank. A dune buggy. It was like it shot real artillery. It it was pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh tank, a dune buggy. Uh, the awesome uh, Cobra kind of um, that dome tank, thing? the oh. tank thing, the, the black their black tank, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? Remember what I'm talking about? Vaguely. Type Cobra Tank. Cobra Black Tank. G.I. Joe Black Tank. <laughs> Old. <laughs> Is yeah. that it? Oh, that's that's iconic. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. badass. I had that. I had that's a newer one. I had that. I had gung. I had gung ho. I had <clears throat> a bunch of figures, and I had the base, the GI Joe base. Mm-hmm. She sold, and there was a bay I could park my tank in, and the Doom buggy. Wow. She sold all of it for fifteen dollars. Oh man, <laughs> somebody cleaned up. That's yeah. crazy, but that and that was like probably, but they, that's been a long time ago. That's been like yeah. early, early nineties. Whenever they weren't worth anything and nobody cared. Right. That's it's inter- it's it's like the modern. It's now our uh, generation's Damn. version of my mom threw out all my comic books or uh, baseball cards. Yeah. That's, my mom sold all my there's toys. The, uh, there's the tank over here, yeah, and it, you can push. It. Uh, I mean, the GI Joe tanks down here, that green one on the uh, upper right. That looks cool too. Yeah. So my story <laughs> is a little different from y'all's in that I willfully gave up everything. And I had so much badass shit. I had, I all, first of all, Voltron. I had, like, the big plastic Voltron. He was, like, that tall. In fact, I got a picture of me holding him over here. I had the Voltron castle, a few Robeast guys. But then Transformers, I mean, I had shit. Like, a ton. Really? Like, G1 yeah. Optimus Prime. I had... Like Blaster and his cassettes, Soundwave and his cassettes. I had a bunch of combiners. I had like the original Predaking, the original, uh, I had the, what are they called? The, I had the Seacons. I had the Abominus. What were those guys? The Terracons. I had, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's just scratching the surface. I, I had all the Technobots. I had, uh, I didn't have as many of the old, old ones. I had Blue Streak, but I didn't have like Prowl, Wheeljack, and those guys. But I gave them all up. I think if I, I don't really remember. I just feel like at a certain point in time, I felt like I was overly self. I became overly self-conscious and wanting to try and be cool. And I thought having toys. Sure. Is this around when cool. you subscribed to GQ magazine? <laughs> I mean, no, this would have been before that even. But uh, and uh, and so I got rid of them just so I didn't look like a baby in front of like ladies, ladies or dudes or whatever. I, you, I think you gave me almost. You had almost a whole run of the first Transformers comic book. I had a pretty good run of it, yeah. And I think you gave it to me, and it uh, at some point got stolen along with a bunch of my other books. We have our suspects. <laughs> I got to. I borrowed all those Transformers comics at one point, read through them all, like start to finish. They're pretty interesting. Yeah, I liked it. I don't know. Luckily, so and Mike. Henderson, he has a different story in that you is it his mom was nice and never threw anything away <laughs> and it was just... all in a box in his attic forever and he gave all of that shit to me all those like except for the stuff that's yours is right. came from him and uh, the uh, I still think it's hilarious that you relegated all these and I've got a lot more in a box bottom shell yeah I know I've got well I, I'm yeah. in a process you of rejiggering I don't this guy that's new I just got it last week and that monster bot up on the left the kind of goofy beaver looking one <laughs> 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 I don't know if you remember those guys I think in our, the G1 form they were the spark bots or something like that oh maybe, yeah I think I think I had this and, one and uh, but were they so those smaller are, than that? Oh yeah, yeah way yeah. smaller, way smaller. And then those two guys there are from 
a Dreamwave series called The War Within, which was a reinterpretation of the Cybertronian days. So That's there you cool go. Oh man, I mean, that figure cool. that figure is badass. They're that really Megatron cool. looks very cool. Uh what do you guys want to do? I'm gonna make it? drink real quick. You wanna fuck? <laughs> um, Will you do me a huge favor before you leave today? Blow you. <laughs>